Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. We are recording from super producer Amanda Inscore's house because of an air conditioning issue at our office, but we are going to power through and we are going to power through without Dan DeLuca, who is on a reporting assignment today. Alex, we are glad to have you. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, you know, good to have this two-person podcast, nice little setting here and at this uh, humble abode, and I'm just glad to talk some football. You know, we're pretty much approaching the halfway point here of the regular season, for a couple of our teams, week seven will pretty much be the halfway point, uh, you know, assuming deep, play- deep playoff runs are, are in the offing. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a lot of crazy games last week. Yes. Uh, so we have to dive right in because there were just some massive games, starting with the game that I was at last Thursday, Golden Gate Naples. Golden Gate pulling off the upset at Staver Field. Golden Gate 30, Naples 19. This was... This was a wild one. When Golden Gate was up 14-10 at halftime, I thought Naples is still going to find a way to pull through. And, you know, the second play out of halftime, Jack Melton finds Demarion Salters for a 75-yard touchdown. I thought, all right, here it is. And then they, you know, extended the lead with the safety. Low-key, one of the most critical plays of the game was going that safety. The Golden Gate punter, the ball sailed over his head. But instead of, you know, trying to be a hero, he kicked it out the back of the end zone just to limit that amount of points there and Naples didn't score again for the rest of the game (laughs) so he he might have saved their butts there but just incredible effort by the Golden Gate defense Uh, that Naples team had been averaging around 330 yards on the ground a game and Golden Gate limited them to 39 yards rushing which is incredible just huge shout out to the defensive effort the defensive coaching there the Phil Zamey brothers, Mike and Malachi, Claude Basie and Johnny Charles, they were all just bottled up Sean Simeon and, and the other Naples rushers, and it was incredible to see. Also, Sam Powell, the Golden Gate quarterback, you know, I, it was my first time seeing him. He's just a sophomore. He missed his first six passes, and, you know, we, when you see a sophomore miss his first six passes, you think, oh, brother, what are we in for? But he did not get discouraged, and once he hit his first pass to Javon Prey, kind of settled into a rhythm and he made big plays for them they weren't you know he, they were still relying on Trayvon Jean who eventually you know ripped off a 46 yard uh, run late in the game but he did a really really good job you know one of the biggest swings of the game was uh, late in the game the Titans up a score and then Bradley Martino intercepting Jack Melton and then couple plays later catching a touchdown pass from Sam Powell to put the Titans up 27-19 what kind of was the most convincing part of the game with you know less than a minute to go the clock winding down Nick Bajika had a decision to make about you know whether to punt whether to kick a field goal Greg Breston and the field goal unit kind of runs out with the clock ticking down to kick the field goal and you think you know Either they're not going to get this off in time or he'll miss it, and he just banged that 40-plus yarder through. And, you know, at, at that point, everyone on the Golden Gate sideline knew uh, what they did. Um, and here 
is uh, Coach Bajika's comments on what the this means for the program. We looked at this as the next big stepping stone in our program. It, it was, it, it's great to progress and get more people out and, and win ball games. But when you can win a big ball game like this, especially with some of the adversity we'd had to face and some of the adversity the team has faced over the last couple of weeks, it, it's the next big thing. But but most of all, I'm I'm just happy for our coaches. Our, our administration, our, our school. This is such a huge win. Not many people gave us a chance in this game. And my, my players, the, the, the thing they know about me is I love them. And that's the thing that got us through this was everybody loved each other and had each other's back in the, the biggest moments. And, and that's what showed tonight. Alex, just what are your thoughts on what Golden Gate did? First off, 39 rushing yards allowed for that Golden Gate defense. That is the fewest rushing yards by any Naples team in the Max Preps era, which equates to over 20 years and 229 games. A pretty unreal performance by that front seven. Yeah, Jack Melton had two uh, you know, two big passes, obviously to Damari and Salters. That's basically their lone receiver in the passing game right now. But they held their own. It was on they held Naples to under 150 yards of offense. Not many teams uh, can be able to say you know, can say that. And, you know, I think it all circles back to the defensive coordinator on that side of the ball, PJ Gibbs. He's used to shutting them down. Most recently prior to this uh, in 2020 with that Palmetto Ridge dream team that, you know, that, that team was good. And, you know, Naples had kind of a similar situation, a younger crop of guys, you know, Kendrick Raphael is only a sophomore in that game. You know, a lot of youth and inexperience like we're kind of seeing this year with Naples. But, you know, Golden Gate just rising up to the occasion. You know, putting a two-score loss to Bartow behind them and, and, you know, handing the Golden Eagles a two-score loss at Staver Field. Their first home loss in in quite some time. I want to say it was uh, 13 or 14 years. I think that Laley game was the last time a team beat them at home in the regular season. I said this in my story, but Golden Gate kind of beat Naples at their own game and they also made the bolder, bigger plays in this game. You know, by the time that Naples was throwing the ball, it was too late, and, you know, the mistakes started coming. So, I mean, this, in the end, it was very convincing from the Titans. Without question. And, you know, one more thing before we mention it. Uh, Golden Gate, you know, number one team in the area, or county, rather. You know, they're going to have a chance to solidify that status next week, you know, against First Baptist. That is basically going to be a game in which, you know, the Titans and the Lions fighting for the top spot. If First Baptist wins, they'll have a head-to-head over Golden Gate and a transitive win over Naples. Um, That should be one heck of a game. But sticking back to this week, I think, you know, I'd be remiss not to address the elephant in the room. Dunbar 40, Fort Myers 39 in double overtime. Dan DeLuca said that he's been covering close to 300 high school football games, I think, in his career. And there was, you know, nothing quite like this. I wish we had him on the pod today to discuss this one. But just a constant back and forth. Um, Eric Fletcher and TJ Abrams doing basically, you know, FBS prospect type things. Uh, They score five touchdowns. This game, I mean, a couple controversies. Madrid, the Madrid-Tucker play on whether his knee was down or not. You know, I think there was a knee down there pretty clearly, but the officials kept the play alive, and he scored a touchdown. I think that led to a two-point conversion from Tucker to tie this game at 26. And then double overtime. Uh, you know, first overtime was pretty crazy. I think Dunbar scores. You know, they either I think it was they either missed the PAT or they missed the two-point conversion. 
and then Fort Myers matches them for a touchdown. Dunbar has to block the kick from Von Lennon, who's a pretty good kicker and punter, great special teams asset for the Greenies. Dunbar gets a hand on it, blocks it, sends it to double overtime, and then obviously Fort Myers scores again, uh, and they opt to kick uh, the PAT. It was good, and you know Sammy Brown, first play of uh, overtime, finds, you know, gets Austin Price to uh, Lavera Singleton, ten-yard touchdown, uh, and then. You know, Price was rolling to his right, then he reverses field, floats a ball over Madrid Tucker, finds Abrams in the back of the end zone. Dustin, you were at the Vareau-Dunbar game. How important of a win was this for the Tigers to not drop back-to-back games uh, on their home field and still have a firm grip on 3S15? Yeah, I mean, that Dunbar magic is still there. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the way they were pulling out these wins against, again, Fort Myers last year that, you know, not, this was a bit, this is overshadowing that game a bit, but that went into overtime. It was a very similar game, but, and you know, the playoff game against North last year, there's just something about Dunbar against, well, I, I guess we'll say Lee County public schools now, but I mean, they, they are able to pull out the wins in close games. And that's something that has hurt the greenies in recent years, these close games, have all gone against them, and this one, it's a real heartbreaker. I, I watched the broadcast, you know, the audio. You know, obviously I didn't listen to the audio, but I was just watching the broadcast. The Fort Myers team just, you know, when Abrams scored, I mean, seven, eight, nine guys on the field just dropped to their knees, basically like, you know, the end of a soccer match, yeah, a very competitive soccer match. After 90 minutes, I mean, they they had, they basically had them, uh, Fort Myers did, and, and just came down to getting a stop on the – on the two-point conversion or, or just making the PAT, it's got to sting for Fort Myers. You know, obviously Sam Sirianni hasn't really had his way with Sammy Brown in this series. I mean, Fort Myers' last win came in 2019. But since, uh, you know, November 4th, 2016, Dunbar has won all but one contest in this one. They are 7-1 and one in their last eight over Fort Myers. You know, obviously a very heated rivalry. You know, teams are only separated by 2.9 miles, but, you know, it's pretty lopsided as of late in favor of the Tigers just in terms of getting wins and losses. But, you know, the last four games of this series hasn't missed with, you know, every game being a one-score contest. Yeah, it's just unbelievable how, you know, just one bounce of the ball and somehow it's all gone the Tigers' way. But credit to them, credit to Sammy Brown. I mean, they go for two often, and I think... You know, yeah. sometimes fortune favors the bold, and you know that's that's definitely worked out in Dunbar's favor in recent years. Speaking of teams that like to go for two, I uh, talk about my game for a bit. Bishop Vero, again doing Bishop Vero things, hanging forty nine on First Baptist in a game that wasn't really as close as the score indicated, forty nine twenty two. Vero started slow out of the gate. Vero, uh, FBA started pretty quick defensively. You know, Vero just you know they couldn't really get much going in the run game early. But they managed to settle in there in that second quarter. FBA opened the scoring, you know, on on a pretty methodical drive. I think it was 13 plays for 46 yards, capped off by a Logan Bartley touchdown run. They go for two because they don't have a kicking game. Eight nothing Lions, and then that's when the Vero offense woke up. Ryan Gadsden first play, 49 yard touchdown run. And then, uh, you know, they force another three and out. Uh, and then third play from scrimmage there, Leroy Roker opens it up. You know, and then from there, the scoring was just, you know, 33 po- unanswered points just in the second quarter alone. 
you know, this was a ser- a game in which Faroe's uh, defense stood out. I mean, of the 10 drives that First Baptist had, five of them were punts, four of them were three and outs. They went on a stretch after that first touchdown where it was punt, fumble, punt, punt, touchdown, punt. You know, this game wasn't particularly close. I mean, aside from the first touchdown, uh, the Lions touchdown right before halftime was pretty much aided by three penalties, the first of which was a pretty bad call. I'll be pretty blunt about that. Uh, Parker Turner was called for DPI. There was no DPI looking at the film on the play. And then FBA starters stay in the game against Vero's backups and score in garbage time. Could basically be looking at a 49-8 game. But Vero's run game, you know, especially on the big plays, just it, it was too much for First Baptist. Their speed was too much. FBA pinched their defensive line and, and kept their linebackers compact. And Vero said, okay, you're going to do that. We'll, we'll make you run out wide. And Vero exploited that big time uh, with yards after the catch Carter Smith doing Carter Smith things four more touchdowns for him 16 touchdowns through three games he's on pace for just under 75 total touchdowns assuming they play 14 games this year pretty crazy clip but um, you know Vero is just uh, I think on another level right now and, and, I, and I think we all know that yeah another game I wanted to shout out South Fort Myers Getting the win over Eastleigh County, 41-7. I thought there was a chance for this to be a close one. We've seen both these teams have taken strides this year. Uh, Victor Jenkins, the South Fort Myers running back, went off. (laughs) 23 carries for 186 yards and a touchdown. Also had a receiving touchdown. Also had an interception. But what really stood out to me was the Wolfpack defense. Over the last, you know, four weeks, they've been really, really good. And I'm just interested to see how that develops um you know as, as the schedule gets tougher any other results that stood out to you alex uh not really i do want to ask you though justin white only 20 receiving yards in this game what does it say about south's offense to be able to incorporate other assets uh and not be so reliant on him just putting up 100 yard games especially in a game like this south you know pretty much blows them out it's the largest margin or largest loss margin for east lee this year they kind of were competitive with mariner they were competitive against astero they obviously got their first win the week prior and then you know this go around they lose by 34 yeah i mean i i was i was really impressed with chasing gita and the way he spread the ball around going 11 for 14 for 165 yards and two touchdowns he was able to find mike mcdonald joshua Raphael. So it's not just one man that you have to key in on. And yeah. Victor Jenkins in the passing game, you know, you have to watch out for him. Just overall, really impressive effort. Though They're going to go on by this week, and then they're going to go on the road against Immokalee. That's going to be one to watch. Of course. Uh, I will bring up one matchup because it has to be talked about. North Fort Myers just just can't get in the win column yet. Um, one score loss to Lemon Bay. They're sitting at 0-4. You know, they haven't had a losing season in quite a while. Um, you know, it sure looks like this might be the season in which that changes. But luckily for them, the second half is kind of favorable. So they could go on a run and maybe break 500. But definitely a surprising outcome there. And then, um, you know, Estero, you know, gets a pretty convincing win over Island Coast. And then uh, Cape Coral stays undefeated, and that'll be a good clash this week between the Seahawks and the Wildcats. And after the break, we are going to look ahead to some of those Week 5 games. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at naplesnews.com, news-press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. 
Welcome back. We thought four weeks into the season would be a good time to zoom out and ask some questions. Overreaction or not an overreaction? First one I want to ask you, Alex, is Vro 35 points better than any other team in Southwest Florida? So Overreaction far. or not an overreaction? I'm going to say not an overreaction. I think just with the resume, Port Charlotte in the computers is number two in the area. First Baptist is still the top five team in the area, kind of either them or Fort Myers for that spot between, uh, you know, with Charlotte County included in these as well, obviously. And then Dunbar, you know, we saw what happened. They've got three wins, you know, three running clock wins so far. Let's face it, they would have running clocked Lehigh too. I don't think it's an overreaction right now. I, I think this Faro team is for real, and, you know, they're going to have a couple more chances to do that uh, against Estero, against Gateway, where we think running clocks are pretty much all but certain. But, you know, they're going to have their tests here in a couple weeks. You know, they got uh, Sarasota this week on the road. They host Key West the following week in district play. And then the big one, Jesuit. And then, uh, you know, midway through October, they're going to host Cardinal Mooney, a team that is supposed to make a run in 1S. I'm going to say not an overreaction. I imagine you'll probably be in the same spot. Yeah, I agree. I think until someone shows that they can keep up with them, it's, it's, it's pretty easy at this point. I mean, just Carter Smith plus... That improved defense, they they're 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 trouble for anyone they're facing. Got to give a shout out to that defense. Yep. They they are legit. Their schemes are strong. I mean, they're they're tough reads. You know, as a quarterback, it's hard to read schematically what they're trying to do. Sometimes there's a there's a blitz off the corner. Sometimes they drop back. Sometimes there's a corner blitz. Dave Viegas has got it going over there, and Richie Road was right. He said there's a lot of undue criticism last year, and it was just installing basically installing scheme. And they've got that this year. They've got a lockdown corner in Ryan Gadsden. They've got a good cover linebacker in Parker Turner. They've got good guys rushing the ball in Micah Anderson and uh, McCray Thompson. I mean, they're they're in good good place right now. Next topic I wanted to touch on after the Golden Gate upset of Naples, our old co-host Adam Fisher tweeted out, this might be the official end of the Naples dynasty. Alex, overreaction or not an overreaction? Overreaction. This is just a bump in the road for Naples. I think if these two teams play again at the end of the year, much closer outcome. I, th- I mean, I, I think Naples may come out on top just because they have a full 48 minutes against this team. But it, it really is a legitimate question. You know, I think maybe the bigger question we should be asking is, is Collier County as balanced as ever? And this year I think it is. Um, I think Golden Gate's win over Naples proved that. Um, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of competitiveness within the CCAC among the public schools. But to say the dynasty's over, uh, I, I don't think so. I think this team next year is, is going to get back to Naples winning ways just because of how much youth that Rick Martin's team has. And he's been open about saying that, that they're young and inexperienced. Yeah, and I, I was impressed talking to Coach Martin in the postgame interview. He didn't dismiss this result. He was very accountable. He told the team, we're still Naples High School, you know, and, and you know, he, he kind of acknowledged that, you know, this was a big deal. Um, and I think that's going to be necessary if they want to move forward and, you know, remain at the top of Collier County. Another uh, topic I wanted to get into, two undefeated teams, Mariner and Baron Collier, 
They both make the playoffs. Overreaction or not an overreaction? Overreaction, I just think this region is pretty loaded. You're going to have your four district champs and then you're banking on four at-large bids. I think it's safe to say that Barron, more so than Mariner, will be relying on an at-large bid. And right now, their strength of schedule just doesn't it just doesn't match up to where I think that they can get in. A win over Naples obviously changes the entire ball game. Uh, in that argument, you know they still have a Mockley, they still have Naples, they still have Golden Gate left on their schedule. Um, they've got some heavy hitters, and I think you know that'll be the big test for Mark Jackson's team. Yeah, you've allowed 12 points through three games with back-to-back shutouts, but obviously those three games that you played have come against teams with a combined two wins. But you know this second half for them, they also have South Fort Myers, another team that is on on the rise this year. They're three and one. They're gonna they're pretty much on pace to have a winning season. Mariner, say a similar story, strength of schedule lacks, but fortunately for them, I mean I think they've kind of moved into the driver's seat in the district. At this point with North Fort North Fort Myers' woes. And I think that they might be able to capitalize and, and capture a district title under Josh Nicholson. So I think, you know, that's their path is to you know, win a district title and get in. I don't think Mariner can get in on an at-large uh, circumstance there. Yeah, I mean, but the Tritons have got to be feeling confident right now. They yeah, they really rolled over Riverdale, no Tolbert, with 176 yards passing with four touchdowns and 120 yards rushing with a rushing touchdown as well. They got to be feeling good right now. They have a lot of weapons. That game against North, uh, that's going to be a big one. Their, their schedule's going to step up soon. But I just think the confidence from those wins is is really going to help. But let, let's go ahead and, and take a look at the Week 5 games. Is there anyone that stands out to you, Alex? Yeah, I think this game between Gulf Coast and Golden Gate is going to be a big one. Obviously, Gulf Coast has had two weeks to prepare for this game, and, and their coaches were in attendance on Thursday night at that Naples contest to get, kind of get a feel for the Titans and to see them up close in person. You know, that's a big game, you know, especially if Golden Gate wants to continue, you know, their status is currently Collier County's best team. You know, they're going to need to win that game. They're going to need to win next week. You know, as Golden Gate still has more to prove this year to prove that, you know, Naples, the Naples game wasn't just a one-off. You know, I think that'll be a game to watch. Baron Immokalee is another good one to watch. Um, that'll be a pretty good game. You know, obviously, you know, two of our Area's top teams, you know, are hitting the road. Dunbar going inland to Clewiston, and then obviously Vero headed to Sarasota. So we kind of get take a look at these, you know, you know, middle tier teams, you know, in the middle of our rankings, and to see how they kind of match up, you know, especially with Barron and Amako. I think that'll be a really good contest. Yeah, you mentioned the parity in Collier County, and it feels like we have two big ones this week where we're going to see who's kind of rising to the top there. And I'd also mentioned uh, Cape Coral at Estero. Both those teams, I think, combined 7-1. It's going to be interesting to see who's able to come out on the winning end there. Without question, that'll be a great game. You know, Last year, I think points were at a premium. Not a lot of scoring in that game. But a uh, you know, huge test for Darren Nelson, who kind of viewed this early first half of this season as, as a defining stretch for them uh, after their loss against First Baptist three weeks ago. You know, I think it's going to be a big game for them. Matt Wilson's coming along. Uh, Malik Allen looks like he might be getting healthy here. Should be a good test for Larry Gary's defense and, and to see if they can hang against a legitimate opponent. Um, you know, something that they really haven't had to deal with through the first four games. Obviously, you know, schedule was designed that way. 
So it should be a good matchup between those two teams. And after the break, we are going to make our picks in these games. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Welcome back. It is our last segment of the show. It is picks time. To recap last week, we all had some okay weeks. We all had our respective misses. Dan and I went 7-3. and three. Um, Dan had losses on North Fort Myers, Naples, and Fort Myers. I went 7-3 and three with losses on Cypress Lake, North Fort Myers, and Naples. And Dustin Levy, 6-4 and four with losses to Cypress, North Naples, and Fort Myers. On the year, Dan DeLuca is 33 and 7. I'm 32 and 8. Dustin 29 and 11. You know, it's still not even at the halfway point, though, so anyone's ball game. Going to start it off here. Miami Killian heading to Naples. You know, Golden Eagles looking to rebound and not lose back to back games at home. Dustin, going to start it with you. You know, why, why is Naples going to blow Killian out here? <laughs> yeah, I, I like the Golden Eagles' chances. Miami Killian is without a win yet, so they're going to be hungry, but I think. The way that Golden Gate loss um, happened at Staver Field, uh, Naples might be a little bit <laughs> hungrier here. Yeah, Naples has to be. You know, there's probably a little more urgency within the program right now to to right the ship and to get back on track. Dan is on Naples, as am I. Uh, Sean Simeon breakout game, uh, I think here. I just. This margin last year with the with the players Naples had and with what Killian had, you know, obviously a lopsided game. Expecting more of the same here. Golden Eagles big at home. Second game on the slate, undefeated Bishop Vero headed to winless Sarasota. Dan is on Vero. I'm on Vero. You know, this is going to be a pretty lopsided game, I think, you know, despite the road trip. Um, Sarasota, big school, 4S, um, largest classification in the state. But I think uh, Vero gets it done, and they moved to 5-0 and for the first time since 2019. I'm going to surprise you here. No, you're not. No, I'm not. No, no, no. <laughs> I pick Vero. Damn, yeah. you you really thought you could give Vero bulletin board <laughs> material on a week in which they don't need it. I mean, it. you see how far behind I am in the picks, but no, I, I cannot pick <laughs> against the Vikings at this point. No, and until they prove me otherwise... I think I'm going to go with them. There's one game on the slate where I'd even consider picking against them, but that's not for a couple weeks. Spoiler. But next game on the slate, Bonita Springs headed to Mariner. Good news for the Bull Sharks. They have Riley to Reamer back. Bad news. Even with them back, they're still winless. I think they're headed to a pretty formidable opponent here. Mariner kind of likes to run what they do to a degree in the run game, but they actually have a passing game. Mariner also stays undefeated this week, I think. Dan DeLuca agrees. Dustin, your pick. Yeah, I, I got Mariner here. The Bull Sharks have been struggling. It's good that they're going to have Durimer back. But I think, you know, even if you think this might be more competitive than you think, Mariner at home, I, I like that. I do too. Uh, Mariner just keeps carrying over the momentum from last season, second half specifically. Program's in a good place right now. Next game on the slate, Riverdale headed to Cypress Lake. Riverdale kind of starting to find their footing with their wing tee. Cypress Lake, you know, defense still is pretty good. Their offense just 
you know, isn't really there. Dustin going to circle it back to you, and then I'll make the pick, and then Dan. I like the Raiders to get their first one of the season here. Cole Hayes has been averaging eight yards carry, and I, I think you know it, it's got to it's got to carry them over the finish line at some point, and I think it's going to be this week. I think it is too. Cole Hayes actually our area's leading rusher right now. You know he is uh, leading the area. I think he's going to have another big game. I just think Riverdale's O line too much for Cypress Lake's athleticism and maybe speed more so I just think that Riverdale is going to wear them out over time Dan is also on Riverdale which means four games all four in unison so far next game on the slate True North at First Baptist True North is you know I got my intel on them kind of an uh, an up-and-coming program they're pretty pretty good statistically this year they've allowed 20 points through four games but the strength of schedule is far from being there, according to Max Prep's negative 36.2. So it shows you that they haven't really played much of anybody. You know, Dustin, your thoughts on this one. You know, do the Lions rebound? Yes, I think the Lions will rebound. Uh, two years ago, they played True North, uh, blew them out 47-7. to So that makes me pretty confident that they'll get back in the win column. Good teams always rebound. First Baptist is a good team that probably should win the state title in 1S this year, especially with their latest edition of Winston Watkins midseason. There seems to be a mass exodus out of IMG Academy. He was one of those individuals who left who cited an ill member in the family, but he gives that receiving core some stability outside of Jaden Petit. You know, that receiving core, I'll admit, on Friday looked pretty inexperienced outside of Petit. A lot of drops, a lot of just, you know, not some... It just didn't impress me outside of Petit. Um, Watkins is going to give them some real stability and speed out of the slot if that's where they choose to play him. I'm going to take First Baptist here and First Baptist big. Dan also on First Baptist. Next game, CCAC showdown. Palmetto Ridge headed to Laley. Palmetto Ridge actually starting to score some points, but their defense just hasn't met expectation. Laley... Gets a big win over Southeast, 46-13, to and they do it with a backup running back in the game for the most part. Javian Tantalus leaves the game due to injury. Nino Joseph goes for a buck 42 uh, in that game. He scores, hits Pater a couple times. You know, pretty good uh, indicator there for Ben Hammer that he's got a, a, a strong running back as his number two. I, I'm going to pick Laley. I think they put start to put it together, and this is where you kind of see it in their schedule. Yeah, the Trojans might be the team we're not talking about enough, averaging 171 yards on the ground a game so far this season. Joshua Philogene in the receiving game. They, they've looked good, and I, I like them against Palmetto Ridge. Dan does, too. Definitely a favorable stretch for the next two weeks, and then it's going to be pretty gut-check time over the final four weeks for them, where they host Naples and Barron, and they travel to Golden Gate, and then they host Immokalee. So definitely going to be a competitive four-game stretch for them here in the second half so that's six games six unison picks next on the slate now i don't see that changing fort myers at charlotte charlotte is just abysmal on offense they have through three games they are negative total yardage i think it's negative 71 total yards of offense through three games fort myers should easily get win number 700 here Dustin, tell me why Charlotte finishes uh, above water uh, in the total yardage department in this yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be worried about, you know, the Greenies ability to, to rebound from a heartbreaker, but I think the fact that Charlotte is not the Charlotte of old um, is going to help them get back and get that big win. Dan also on Fort Myers. Um, it is fitting that it is against a rival like Charlotte, despite 
uh, the whole situation there. You know, obviously they're not as good as they have in past. Binky Waldrop leaving really kind of did the number on the program. They just haven't been able to find the success that they had under Binky. Sam Sirianni, 700 against uh, Charlotte, a, ri- a longtime rival. Um, you know, him and Binky were, were coaching rivals and being good friends. So, and still are to this day, I might add. But uh, Fort Myers, I think, you know, should win this one quite comfortably. I mean, I expect Frank Starks to run for more than nine yards in this game. Game number eight, Cape Coral headed to Estero. Close game last year. Kind of anticipating the same thing this year. Dustin, going to start it with you. Seahawks, Wildcats, can Estero kind of keep this uh, stretch for them going just to extend the win streak? I mean, this is going to be a big defensive battle. I think everyone knows it. I'm going to take the Wildcats. I saw last week Luke Gannum <laughs> with three interceptions, including one per pick six. That Their defense just forces turnovers like crazy. And um, I've been burned before by picking against Estero in these kind of close games. But, you know, the past couple years, they've been on the winning end. I picked against Cape Coral last week. I'm going to do it again this week. Not because Estero's my alma mater or anything, but <laughs> Estero, I, I just like them at home. Darren Nelson's defense is pretty dang good. They've showed that since the East League game. They're going to look to continue this momentum against Cape Coral, and, and I think for them, you know, just with Cape's lack of, of really you know scoring points, I think Estero's going to benefit off that. They're going to have the better quarterback in this one. They're going to have the better receivers. I, I don't know if Cape can rely on, on their defense for four quarters to really kind of give them the edge here. I'm going to take Estero. Dan DeLuca also on Estero. Game number nine could qualify as our game of the week, uh, but we are going in a different direction. Golden Gate headed to Gulf Coast. Sharks are going to be well-rested for this one. Golden Gate, you know, they're going to have an extra day as well of rest because they played on Thursday. You know, it could be an interesting game. Do we kind of see a similar circumstance where – Golden Gate starts slow out of the gate, like Vero did with First Baptist, just coming off such a high. You know, can, can Gulf Coast kind of exploit that with their student section, with their crowd, with their offense? I'm going to say no. I just think Golden Gate is too powerful. Uh, but this will be a, a pretty good battle in the trenches. Neither side uses their quarterback as their primary option. This is going to be a battle between, you know, Peyton Hale, Chris Jimenez against Trayvon Jean, John Leon Arad in the trenches with the with the running backs and the running game should be a good little battle, but I'm going to take Golden Gate to get, get the stop. You know, I just think that Port Charlotte loss was eye opening, especially not having Ed Gurrier, their number one running back, Dustin turning it to you. Yeah. I think there, there's always the risk of having a letdown game, especially against a Collier County opponent. However, the Golden Gate defense is what gives me confidence here. And the fact that the Sharks haven't been able to get it going on offense. Um, So I think, you know, if they're able to, if Golden Gate's able to shut down Naples, they, they should be able to to do it against the Sharks as well. That that was my logic too. I just think 39 yards of offense for for or 39 yards rushing for Naples against that Golden Gate front. You know, maybe tough going here for the Sharks at home. Dan also on the Titans, and finally our game of the week. Baron Collier headed to Amakli headed inland. Amakli has not had their way in this series over the last couple of years, losing their last four. By margins of 11, 17, 41, and 23 points, with the last two contests being shutouts. Dustin, going to start it with you here. Nico Boyce, def- clearly the better quarterback to date in this one. Amakali's got the better run game. Uh, which side is able to find stability and find their footing in this one? 
yeah, I was at this game last year, and the Cougars came out on top 23 nothing. but it, it was kind of closer than the score indicated. Just a, a few mistakes and, and some tough moments hurt Immokalee. But I, I like Barron here. Nico Boyce thrown four touchdown passes last season. You know, the ground game with Juan Acuna, Jackson Polly. I, I, I just think that they might have just a little more than Immokalee here. Yeah, it is tough to pick because basically last year these teams were awash in the run game, basically even numbers, five yards a carry on average. Tommy Mooncotch throws for about 80 more yards than Trainon Villarreal did. Um, Nico Boyce is arguably the best quarterback in Collier County. I think it's either him or Ethan Crossan. But, you know, Barron, you know, I, I think despite having not played anybody through the first three weeks, uh, you know, not really of note, I think this is kind of a prove-it game for them, and I think they are going to prove it. This this team's looking really good through three games. The offense is clicking. It's not just Brody Graham out wide who needs to make the big plays. Nico Boyce is incorporating other receivers and doing it frequently. I just think that'll be too much for Immokalee. Um, I'm going to take the Cougars. What does Dan think? Dan Dan took Immokalee. No, I'm kidding. He also took Barron, which means nobody's gaining on anybody this week. Unison across the board. Sometimes it happens. Darn. But, Dustin, you're, you're, not, make, you're not making up ground this week. Uh, well, your thoughts privately, maybe I will. Oh, oh privately. <laughs> hey, privately, I said Vero was going to win last week, and they did. Uh, but that'll wrap it up for the pick segment. You guys know where to go for our content. Starting Wednesday, you know, you'll start to see some of it. Thursday, you're going to see even more of it. And Friday, live Friday night scoreboard, analysis, highlights, photos from our wonderful visuals team. You can go to news-press.com and naplesnews.com for all of that. Before we sign off, be sure to follow Dan DeLuca on X at NewsPressDan. Follow Dustin Levy at Dustin B. Levy. And follow me at NP underscore Alex Martin. Uh, This is Season 6, Episode 6 of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.